You're listening to a Monorail News production. Now, get ready to step into the magic. Welcome to Magic Time by Monorail News. I'm Gray Hauser, and today we have a very special show for you because we have a very special guest. He worked with Walt Disney, and his list of accomplishments reads like a must-do list of the best rides at Disneyland. From Tiki's to Grim Grinning Ghost, Rolly Crump has truly done it all. Rolly, how are you doing? What? Oh, I'm good. I'm sure I'm doing fine. <laughs> good, good, good. Glad to hear that you're doing you're doing fine. So I just kind of wanted to ask you um, to start off by telling me how you wound up working with Walt in Imagineering. Okay, <laughs> that's a cute story. What happened was I always wanted to work for Disney from the time I was a little tiny kid because I fell in love with his animation. I saw his first animation when I was just a little guy, and it was the Three Little Pigs. And I was just completely blown away because I'd never seen animation before. My dad took me to a little movie house on an afternoon, and we saw that. So I fell in love with Disney immediately. And over the years, being that I did take a lot of art classes at school, and also did a lot of work for myself on the side, I really got excited about wanting to work for Disney. And uh, I didn't have a clue how to do that. And But in those days, it was a lot easier than it is today. I went to a Christmas party with my mom, and it happens that there was one lady at the Christmas party that had worked for Disney Animation. And when she heard that I was interested, she came over to me. She said, are you really interested in having a job there? And I said, yeah. She said, okay, I'll give you a number to call. In those days, it was easy. She gave me a number to call, and I called, and they said, oh, you want an interview? <laughs> so, I mean, it was that easy to get an interview. Wow. And so I was interviewed, and uh, luckily they hired me. And so my first project was Peter Pan. So I was the last in-betweener hired on Peter Pan, which was pretty exciting. Anyway, so uh, away we went, and that's what it was. And I was there. That sounds far easier than trying to get a job there today. <laughs> that's absolutely insane to think that you can make a phone call and get an interview just like that. That's pretty remarkable. Oh, God, yes. Oh, absolutely. 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 So you moved over from animation to Imagineering, and what yeah. was your first project? <laughs> well, it was kind of weird. Made a lot of propellers, and that's how, why I was known over there. Was I was a kid that made propellers. So they hired me to work on a, another film that they were going to build, and they there was one sequence to where it was a whole field of sunflowers. So they wanted me to build a whole bunch of sunflowers that were propellers. So I... I worked on that for a couple of weeks, and that got me started, which was kind of exciting. So, But other than that, that was it. And then from then on, I went to some of the other uh, films, Lady in the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians. Right, right. And those were, of course, all made, I believe, you know, after the park opened. And I know that the first project that I can think of that you really made your mark on, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the Tiki Room. Yeah, yes, it was. When I first started working for WED, that was my first assignment was to work on the Tiki Room. 
And what it was was an idea that was going to be a little restaurant. And so I was hired to work on the little restaurant. And we had our first meeting. There was Walt and myself and Pod Coates and Blaine Gibson. And we all sat in there and said, okay, what is this little restaurant going to do? And I guess it was uh, Mark, I mean, the Pod Coates that came up with the idea of uh, having birds in cages. And so John Hench did a beautiful rendering of all these birds in cages in a little restaurant. And Walt took one look at the rendering. He says, you can't have birds in the restaurant. And somebody said, why? And he said, because the birds are pooping the food. <laughs> so, I mean, he had a great... And so we said, no. And somebody else says, no, it's not going to be a real bird. It's going to be a stuffed bird. And Walt says, Disney does not stuff birds. And somebody else said, well, it'll be a little animated bird. And Walt said, oh, a little animated bird. So up to the idea that all of a sudden we're going to have a little animated bird in this restaurant was great. So away we went. We were all given different assignments. One of my first assignments was to design all the tiki's in the pre-show. Everybody got different assignments, and that was great. So I didn't know exactly what to do. So John Hench says, go to the library, get books out on the tiki's and about the South Pacific and what's going on there. So I did, and I found a great book that the missionaries had written about what it was like to work with the islanders and their beliefs. And that's where it came from. So that was great. I had a great time with that. Then I eventually ended up sculpting all those tiki's. That was even more exciting to sculpt something because I never sculpted before. So it was one of these things you made it up as you went. I just remembered hearing a story about you with a plastic spoon carving tiki's. And to me, that's such a hilarious image to think that you know, one of the most visited theme parks in the world, some of its major set pieces were designed by an artist with a plastic spoon carving tiki's. Yeah, actually, what happened was it was in this very cold, and the uh, clay that we were sculpting was really hard. And I don't know how, how I was going to sculpt this clay. But anyway, we I put it all together as a little figures and stuff. And then I uh, had a plastic fork from the commissary, from lunches, and I used that to kind of scrape it to get the feeling that it looked like it was a prom from tiki. Right. And so that, uh, that got me going, and that was it. And all the tikis were sculpted like that, right? Or was it just one? Yeah, all the ones I did. All the ones <laughs> you did. They're still there in the park, in the pre-show. Yeah, they're still there. That's the funny part about it. So you did the tikis, and you were involved... Pretty early on, when the Haunted Mansion, which is my favorite ride, was still in its infancy. You know, they had kicked the idea around since before the park had opened. And you had some pretty eclectic ideas as to what you wanted to put in there. And can you talk about how the Museum of the Weird came to be? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Basically, when I was working on the uh, mansion, on different bits and pieces of the mansion, and every time we had a meeting, the mansion really had some, some of the animators had, had designed the figures in the mansion as cartoon figures, and I didn't like that. I thought if it was going to be a haunted mansion, it should be spooky and scary. So I started drawing up spooky and scary stuff, because I felt that that's the way it should be. And Patch Walt said in a meeting one day, he says, 
people love to get scared. So we took it from there. So I developed all these weird characters. And Walt said, what are you going to do with them? I said, I don't know. I said, I just think we need some spooky stuff in there. So he said, yeah, but what are you going to do? How are you going to use them? And I said, I don't know. I said, just, I've got to develop who these characters are. He said, well, what do they do? And I said, I don't know. So let's do this whole little conversation about Rolly saying, I don't know. And Walt keeps saying, what is going to be? And back and forth. Walt said, okay, I'm going to go now. And he left. And all the other guys came over to me afterwards and told me, they said, he told you he wouldn't like it, wouldn't like your sketches. So that's that. Well, the next morning I came to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. And Walt Disney is sitting in my desk in my chair. And he said, good morning. I said, good morning. And the first thing he said was, you son of a bitch. And I said, oh, my God, son of a bitch. And he said, yeah. I said, I didn't get an ounce of sleep last night after seeing all those crazy drawings that you did. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, no, no. He says, I went through it, and I know how we're going to do it. And he says, you're going to design all these weird characters, and you're going to do a museum of the weird. And that's exactly how we all got started with that. Of course, if Walt had lived, we would have done the Museum of the Weird. But the problem was management didn't like it. And so they kept pushing me aside that uh, kept it alive for a while. And then after Walt passed away, then the whole thing went dead, which was kind of sad. Because I loved working with Walt. He's a prince to work with. Do you have any other stories about working with Walt? I think that's just absolutely fascinating. Of course. <laughs> I'll take as many as you have. I'll listen to them all. Well, it was a delight. You know, the thing about Walt was, my I worked in the model shop. I had a little office made out of plywood. And Walt would come in, stop by, and see me and talk to me for a while. And, we had, and he did that with everybody. Everybody that we had, Walt would go over to their desk or their chair where they were sitting and talk to them. And that was the gals as well as the guys. And so he was kind of a father image for us, and it was just incredible. And so the stuff just goes on and on forever. And it was a, it was a delight, absolute delight. Yeah, I used to come to the model shop every day, and he treated everybody exactly the same in the model shop, no matter what the gals that were working out there or the guys or whatever. And in fact, he used to talk to the janitor. So, I mean, you know, this is the way the man was. He was just a sweetheart. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Like, if you had told me anything else, I would have been slightly disappointed. But that completely just reaffirms everything I've always imagined about what working with Walt Disney would have been like. Uh, he was a sweetheart. He was such a gentleman. And, uh, yeah, he had kind of a crazy little sense of humor, which was kind of fun. So we never knew what mood he might be in when he came over because a lot of the stuff was being carried over in his head, but it had been going on earlier in the day. But he was always very pleasant, always very pleasant. I mean, because you hear just, you know, absolutely awful things that people who never actually knew him, you know, say that he was, you know, a racist or a sexist or a Nazi or whatever the flavor of the day is. And... I don't know. It's just. Yeah. And everyone that worked with him said the same thing as I did. You know, they, they just loved the old man. They just thought he was great. It was a lot, a lot of politics on the outside world that was putting him down, which is sad. A lot of people 
on the outside said that he didn't like women and he didn't have many women working for him. Well, that was not true because we had a whole building just for ink and paint, which is nothing but women. So I don't know where that whole thing came from, the, the where he didn't like women. And there's so many that were made up during that time frame that were false. And it was kind of hard to always catch up on those stories and, and make them tell the truth. And that's the reason I did my book, was uh, to bring out the stories about Walt and what he was like to actually work with. And it's just kind of a small story. Because <laughs> your book is yeah. awesome. I think I devoured it in half a day, maybe. It's kind of a cute story. You can buy it on Amazon or Apple Music or Scribe or any of those subscription things for you listeners out there who might want to hear more of what Rolly has to say, more memories about him working with Walt. And I was reading an article, Rolly, about you in the LA Times. And they had a story in there that you said something about after you opened the new Tomorrowland, the 1967 renovation, and that you all went over to a Club 33 and you had sort of a reception. Could you talk about that at all? Very special. It's kind of a tearjerker in a way. Sometimes when I tell the story, I happen to cry a little. What happened was Roy Disney was there. And, of course, I never met Roy because he worked in the administration building and never had an opportunity. And I never saw him at the same time with Walt. But Roy came over to me and said, are you Roy Crump? And I said, yes, I am, sir. He says, I just want you to know my brother used to talk about you. And that was about it. I mean, you, ha, how much more thank you can you get than to have Roy Disney tell you that his brother liked working with you? That's great. Um, and, you know, we just made a time jump from when Walt was alive to after Walt was alive. Can you take me through the day you all found out that Walt had uh, passed. Very difficult. John Hench came out to the model shop one morning and told us all out there that Walt passed away. And it was really sad because everybody just got up and left him and went to have lunch in that whole area. And, of course, having lunch, you started drinking. And so we, we drank a little too much. Huh? I can guarantee you that because it was such a sad time. And it really was. You know, when I went home, I cried all night long with my family. And they cried with me all night long, and we'll never forget that. And I found out from some of the animators that they did the same thing. They went home to their families and surrounded themselves with them and started crying. So it was really tear-jerking because we knew that everything would change because he was in charge, ran it, was in charge, and helped put the whole thing together. And, you know, without him, we weren't going to have anything the same ever again. So it was a very sad time. We didn't know that he was that sick at all. He had cancer. Right. And uh, I guess what happened was that when they went over to check the cancer and they opened him up to see how he was, and they just closed him back up again and said, you know, that's it. I don't know when they told him or him he was going to pass away. He passed away about two weeks yeah. after they did that first operation on him. Right. When they found out that he'd gone to the hospital, the company said, oh, it's an old wound from playing polo. 
on the oh. way, although because he fell off the horse a couple of times. Right, and right, as probably happens when you play polo. <laughs> so what changed after Walt passed away at Imagineering? I mean, the place is what did, and we weren't given any good new projects to work on. Just actually did was work on the projects that were in work, and after that, it just kind of melted away until Epcot came along, and then that kind of rejuvenated the company for a while to work on Epcot. And I worked on Epcot as well, so I was in charge of the land pavilion, which was a great pavilion, but uh, it was just slowly but surely closing down. And then after Epcot, it really closed down. I think the interesting thing about it, people do not realize how important Walt was on working anything that he did whether it was a film or whether it was Disneyland or whatever, because he was right in there in all the meetings and helped direct the whole project. And I know that when I worked with him, I'll give you an example. I was doing the facade for Disneyland, and uh, there was a space out front. Walt said, what are you going to do there, Rolly? And I said, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a little orchestra come out there and play on that space. It was in front of that. He says, no, Roland. He says, we're not going to do that. He says, what are we going to do? We're going to do a little small world clock. And I said, oh. Now this shows you how you work as a team. Because we use Mary Blair as a stylist for small world. Everything that we put in there looked like Mary Blair designed it. Right. So I called Mary on the phone. And I said, Mary, I need to know what a small world clock would look like. And she sent me back a little photo, a simple photo, of what the small world clock would look like. And so then I started developing and actually building a model of the clock using Mary's style, which was great. And Walt bought off on it, and away we went. But, you know, it was really interesting because he was really part of of these projects. He wasn't just somebody that stood there. No, he participated with us. So it was just great. And he was a team member, absolutely a team member. And I mean, the ideas that the guys came up with, the one that was picked out would be the, the one that Walt felt was the best one. So it was great. We, it was a very creative time frame for us. Right. So you would go on to work on Epcot. And I was talking pretty recently to a younger colleague of yours. I, I don't even know if you would place the name, but Tim Delaney. He was a concept artist. Um, yeah, on, I know Tim. You know Tim. <laughs> Tim's a great guy. And I was going to segue into how do you feel, you know, the next quote-unquote generation of Imagineers did relative to you guys, the greats? Well, I think they tried to do the best they could, but the magic was lost. The magic wasn't in their work like it had been before because you had to have Walt there to help keep the magic alive. And they're all good at designers. Tim was an damn, absolute delightful designer. But you have to look at the big picture of where Walt had to be heavily involved with the project and with the people that worked on the project. It was his mind. So, and none of us did. I mean, nothing came out of Disney after Walt died. Right. And I remember back in 2004, Disney gave you the Legends Award, which is the highest honor the company gives. And how did you feel knowing that you were in that group? Oh, 
I thought it was special. <laughs> I was shocked. In fact, I wasn't even going to go. And my son said, what do you mean you're not going to go? I said, oh, I had a bunch of crap, you know, because <laughs> I didn't run with anybody. You know, I just kind of kept to myself. And my son said, no, <laughs> Dad, you're going to go. And the interesting thing it was I went and my son had contacted his sisters and had the whole, all my little family there. And when I went to go up and get the award, they all kind of waved at me and, and I started crying. And I was so, everybody in the why I was crying. I said, my kids are here. I said, I can't help it, you know, because they were so much part of my life right. during those years when I started working with Disney. So it was incredible. In fact, one of the best stories, I have tons of stories about that, but my son Chris always wanted to meet Zorro because he knew I worked at the studio and I knew of Zorro. So I said, okay, I'll have your mother bring me, come bring you in, and I'll take you out, and then I'll go on the soundstage, and you'll meet Zorro. He said, oh, God, you know, he's just a little guy. So she brought him, and we went out, and we went into the soundstage where they were shooting the Zorro set, and just, and so we got in there, and then I said, well, no, we're not shooting today. Zorro's not here. And I turned to Chris and said, Zorro's not here. And the poor little guy just busted out crying. I said, don't worry, I'll bring you back when you can meet Zorro. And sure enough, then a little time later, I took him in and there was Zorro. So my son actually got to meet Zorro underneath the trees in the area out there where everybody stood around and talked. When I saw who all the people were that had been, I didn't know who the legends were. And then when I saw who the legends were, I thought, oh, shit, I'm okay. They said, these are good guys. And these are the nine old men and everybody else. So I realized... They put me in with them. I thought, oh, my God, I must have been okay. <laughs> wow. Because, you know, it's funny because to me and to, I think, Disney fans around the world, there's no doubt that you should have gotten the award earlier than you got the award, right? I mean, you know, it's funny how it's taken them a number of years to go back and give the award to some really deserving people. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I worked my tail off to get there. And I'd be honest with you. I never thought I'd ever become a legend, but it was such a thrilling experience to have and being able with all of those good, old good guys, the nine old men and everybody else. So it was another tear jerking day. I swear to God working with a Disney organization, there's so many times I cried, I can't believe it. So it was very emotional. So one more question, and then I'll let you go because I don't want to keep you much longer than you know, half an hour, an hour. Right now, if someone was listening who wanted to follow in your footsteps, what would you tell them? What would be that best piece of advice? Yeah, well, I think if nothing more, do your homework and find out all the different things we did and the different projects that we worked on. And also pick out the ones that you could say, yeah, I remember Ward Kimball and on how he animated. You know, it was really dig into the talents that these men had and hang on to them. And when you knew there personally, you had a lot of personal stories to tell, which were great. Yeah, you do your homework, follow your crazy ideas, <laughs> and don't be afraid to be yourself. Yeah, no, it's just a man climbing around, you know, really believing in your crazy ideas. So, and working your tail off with yourself. I know I used to go home after work 
and sit there and draw Mickeys and a lot of characters that I didn't work on when I was in animation, even though I was in animation. And so I practiced a lot. I did a lot of homework. And I think that's the whole thing is to work your tail off doing your homework and following your crazy ideas. Rolly, I just wanted to thank you so much for uh, giving me some of your time and letting me talk to you. I know I said this before we started, but the projects you worked on are like the coolest thing in the world to me. And I almost feel like I'm going to wake up and it's going to have been a dream and I'll have never recorded this podcast. Well, if you feel that way, just call back and we'll confirm it. Yeah, we will. Okay. Okay. Thank you all so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.